0: It's time for The Car Doctor on AM 950 W R O L. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's The Car Doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 W R O L. The spirit of Boston.
1: And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, FM 100.3 WROL Radio. dot com, or you can tap the app and find us at your favorite app store. WROL Radio. You can stream us online all around the world, like people do. Uh, welcome to uh, snowy Saturday morning, where it's uh, it was snowing. It was about an inch of snow in my yard this morning when I got up. And Dennis hates sky poop. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it uh, and now it's gonna be really windy and cold so welcome to welcome to spring in New England which is the second most worst weather in the world <laughs> <laughs> welcome again to spring in New England hey there's uh, a lot of new products out on the road these days uh, in fact uh, the New York Auto show looks like they're having a lot of a lot of premieres showing up but one that we heard about a couple years ago in Detroit and, uh, People kept saying that it was a mistake when it left the market, but now it's back, is the Ford Ranger. And with us on the phone is Matt Sylvester. He's from the Boston region off, Regional Office of Ford. Matt, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Sure. Well, you know, if I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, if they would just bring back the Ford Ranger, I would be a millionaire by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's back. Yeah, and I still and I still don't only have a dollar, so so it didn't so it didn't work out for me. Well, tell us about the Ranger. What's uh, uh, how how different is it from the Ranger that went away a bunch of years ago?
2: Oh, it's it's virtually unrecognizable. It shares the name, um, but it is completely brand new from the ground up. Um, and I tell you what, dealers and customers, we could not have been more excited to have that announcement come a few years ago and been waiting patiently ever since. And now that it's on dealership lots. Um, it really has exceeded our expectations.
1: And job one was what? Sometime in January, right? Oh, it was actually a lot earlier than that.
2: Job one was back um, I guess the end of November. Okay. Um, Then kind of took a month or so let the plant uh, work their kinks out, uh, make sure everything was locked and loaded ready to go and actually did that ahead of schedule. Um, So we actually saw vehicles hit the ground in January, which is about a month earlier than we had originally anticipated, which credit to our manufacturing team. uh, They did a really great job in recognizing that we needed to get this thing out there as soon as we could. And, and pulled that uh, that data head so we could get, we could ship them a little bit earlier.
1: And uh, let's talk about size-wise. I mean, everybody knows the F-150, most popular pickup truck in the world. Um, the old Ranger kind of slotted in, you know, quite a bit smaller than the F-150. How does this compare to, say, like a Chevy Colorado or Toyota Tacoma? Where is it size-wise in relation to sort of that uh, compact to midsize truck?
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be very similar in size to the Colorado and the Tacoma. Okay. Um, yep, so so um, quite a bit smaller than an F-150, um, but for this customer, it, it, it really is the perfect size truck, um, you know, perfect for maneuvering in the cities as well as, you know, getting you out in the wilderness uh, to, to where you need to be, uh, really is a great truck for that.
1: And and what do we have for uh, Under the Hood that powers the, the new Ranger? We've got a 2.3-liter EcoBoost engine.
2: It's just a four-cylinder, but I tell you what, um, I'm driving one right now. I absolutely love it. There's no shortage of power. Um, 270 horsepower and best-in-class 310-pound-feet of torque. Um, there, there's definitely no shortage there, with even with it only being a four-cylinder, and plus we're able to deliver some pretty good fuel economy.
1: And 310 foot-pounds of torque, That's that translates into some serious towing power.
2: Yeah, it does. Also best-in-class towing.
1: And um, how about cab configurations? Uh, you know, today it seems like there is an endless array of cab configurations with pickup trucks. Uh, what did you guys do with the Ranger?
2: Well, we kept, it, we kept it simple. We've got a super cab variation and a super crew variation, so there's no regular cab. Um, and, and then simply 4x2 and 4x4 uh, four four drivetrain options. Um, so we kept it really simple, easy for dealers to order. Um, and and write write exactly what we know customers want we have got all kinds of data that we of course look at as we as we make those decisions um, and found that really didn't need a regular cab uh, with this customer with this truck um, so we kept it simple two cab styles and two and two drivetrain
1: styles and and that makes perfect sense because i I think in you know there are going to be the customers certainly this is going to be a a day-to-day work truck but for the person that just wants a pickup truck for weekend chores around the house sort of thing, but it's their daily driver, and, you know, everybody carries something with them, whether it's a, a bag or a backpack or a gym bag or who knows, you know, trying to cram, you know, get stuff out of view a little bit and try to cram it behind the back seat of a car with no extended cab or be able to put, you know, put a couple extra people in it when you need it. Having, having the ability of having uh, the uh, super cab and super crew makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. And you mentioned fuel economy. How how have you been doing in your own personal vehicle? Yeah, I've been doing pretty well. I do
2: a lot of highway driving, um, so I'm getting right under twenty miles to the gallon. I think on, on my last check, um, but it it uh, which which I have been pleasantly surprised with, to be completely honest with you. Yep. Um, uh, just because of the power that it does have when you when you're driving, you know, it's got it, it's got the get up and go speed that that you want. Um, and a lot of times that doesn't translate into great fuel economy, and I've been pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, twenty miles per gallon, not too bad. And uh, you know, today today cars are, uh, you know, let's let's face it. Sometimes we spend more times in our cars than we do with our significant others. And uh, you need a certain level of technology in cars today. Uh, how did Ford do try to put the latest greatest uh, tech in the car, in the truck?
2: Well. Yeah, well, it's got it. So I've, uh, in my truck, um, it's got blind spot information system, which um, will actually monitor your blind spot for you, and it'll actually it has trailer coverage on that. So if you're towing something, it'll actually monitor the blind spot of the trailer as well, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, and it's also got a pretty unique terrain management system with four different drive modes. So whether you know, you're just driving on normal dry roads or you're in the snow, you're off in the mud, or you know maybe you're playing around in the sand dunes. It's got four different drive modes um, to help customers uh, get through the conditions that that they're in.
1: So so it has so it it could turn a novice uh, off-roader into a pretty serious off-roader, then.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah it really could, it really could.
1: Yeah, no, it sounds good. And, you know, a lot of people know of the Ford F-150 as the first truck that used a lot of aluminum. And as I recall, there's a fair amount of aluminum in this, right?
2: Yeah, there there is a decent amount of aluminum. We didn't go as far as we did on the F-150. We've got the hood, front fenders, and then rear tailgate are all made out of aluminum. Um, but So it didn't quite go as far as we did with F-150, but still a significant amount of, of uh, aluminum and a nice weight savings for us.
1: And uh, today it seems like it's all about, you know, transmissions. And, you know, years back it was, uh, you know, you, you ordered a vehicle it had a 3-speed automatic or a 4-speed manual, and that was it. Now we're seeing 6, seven, eight, nine, 10-speed automatic transmission. And as I recall, the Rangers, 10-speed automatic? Is that right?
2: And, yeah, 10-speed automatic, which is class-exclusive.
1: Yeah, and that, and that is something that, you know, as some manufacturers go to uh, continually variable transmissions, I like the idea of a transmission with gears in it, personally. I, I like the feel of it. I like the performance characteristics of it. To me, it all seems to work just that much better, but uh, could be just me. But, um, yeah, no,
2: yeah. I, I share that sentiment as well. Yeah.
1: Um, sometimes what people have a concern about is with turbocharged engines, uh, longevity, and then also uh, fuel requirements. Uh, any special fuel economies, economy, fuel requirements with this uh, EcoBoost engine?
2: Nope, just regular gas.
1: Regular gas. It, so that that makes it more economical and longevity. Uh, you guys have had the EcoBoost out for quite a while now. Um, any any concerns that people should be concerned about?
2: It, no, not not to my knowledge. Um, you know, I've I've had an EcoBoost engine in a number of the Fords that I've driven. Um, and have never had uh, any significant problems with them. So um, it's a technology that Ford's definitely betting on. We've got EcoBoost in, uh, I think, every single – one of our vehicles uh, in some way shape or form um, so there's definitely a big bet on it um, and it's been performing very well for us
1: and uh you know as as we go forward and i i know you probably can't say this but as we go forward there's always talk about you know hybrids and plug-in hybrids and and diesel engine options do you think we'll see any of those in the ranger in, in the not too distant future yeah i really can't i know you can't. On, i know well oh, it's just that. between it's just between you and me what do you th- you know yeah, if, we, know. if okay. we were having if we were having a beer together you know is there a possibility? Well, so here's <laughs> what I will say. I, I as
2: far as Ranger goes, as far as Ranger goes, I, I really don't know. Really yep. can't speculate. But what I what I will tell you is um, that Ford's definitely making um, an investment in alternative powertrains, and they, right. they've kind of talked about that for for the last uh, couple of years now. Um, understanding that hybrid technology, plug-in hybrid technology, has come a long way, and and I think we can probably expect to see. Those types of powertrains across the Ford lineup um, in the not so distant future. Now, you know Ranger right now definitely no plans mm. to introduce you know something like a hybrid, but hybrid powertrains are going to be start becoming um, more common across the Ford lineup.
1: That's uh, it, it. Makes it makes perfect sense, and I think as we as we see more of that, and I keep saying that uh, when people talk about the golden age of the automobile, I think it's almost now because. In so many models, and, and Ford's a Ford's a great example, you can buy a gasoline car, you can buy a turbo gasoline car, you can buy a hybrid, you can buy a plug-in hybrid. You have a lot of choices, and for somebody who you know wants kind of conventional, they can go there. For somebody who wants electric, they can go there. And uh, like you said, uh, Ford's got a, a big commitment to uh, alternative fuel vehicles, so it makes a lot of sense. The one thing we didn't talk about, uh, if uh, my producer Dennis wanted to buy a Ranger, how much do they cost?
2: Well, they they are reasonably priced. They start just above uh, twenty five thousand, um, so so you really can um, get one um, very reasonably priced. And then, of course, if you go all the way up to the Lariat, they're a little bit more. But um, it, it really is a uh, a nice truck for the money.
1: And uh, you you mentioned the Lariat, and you know, typically with Ford products, when you start to get in the kind of higher trim levels, you get you get some uh, you get all the comfort of. Uh... I don't know. Maybe I won't go as far as a Lincoln, but you get you get uh, uh, really high quality materials and comfort throughout.
2: Yeah, you really do. I'm driving the Lariat right now, um, as I mentioned, um, and and I've got full leather seats. I've got all the driver assist technologies, um, and and it really is a nice truck. It, it drives great. It looks great. Um, and, and the Lariat especially. I, I love just the creature comforts of the interior. I do do a lot of driving, um, so it is nice to have some of that.
1: So the real story is, if you valet parked, does the valet leave the car out back, or do they move it, move it to the front? <laughs> well,
2: I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them park them out front. They look great, um, and and uh, there's no reason why it shouldn't be parked out front.
1: There you go. And I guess uh, you know the next big, uh, you know, the next big shoe drop for Ford. I guess coming up is uh, a Bronco in in. Somewhere down the road, right?
2: Yeah, so um, should start being built in 2020. Yep. Um and it will share a plant with the Ford Ranger, built at uh, Michigan Assembly Plant in Wayne, Michigan.
1: Well, that's a, that's. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So this is a this is a uh, a true U.S. built truck uh, built here in the United States, right?
2: Yeah, it is. Um, it does share, you know, a lot of the the kind of base uh, uh, vehicle architecture with the Global Ranger, but yep. it is. Um, purpose designed and built um, for the U.S. market right here in the U.S. market. Yep. So, um, and I think that's something that, you know, our customers definitely value.
1: No, all good stuff. And, and, I, and I would guess if people want more information about the Ranger and all of Ford's product, pretty simple, just Ford.com, right?
2: Ford.com, absolutely.
1: Hey, Matt, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor program.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, John.
1: All right, take care. That was thanks. Matt Sylvester from the uh, Boston Zone office of Ford. Um uh, the new Ranger like I said if I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me I wish you'd bring the Ranger back I'd
3: have a bunch of dollars I don't know why the quote unquote midsize um truck actually ever stopped being produced there was always there's always been a demand there's people that live in the inner city yep. for example yep. that can't I mean the Ford F150 from the 70s and early 80s was a reasonable size pickup yeah. truck. Now you look at that Ford F150 and it it's looks big. like what the 350 looked like yeah. in the 80s. Yeah.
1: No, and, and it's fun. I still think there is a market for a compact truck still. Like the old-style Nissan back then, Datsun trucks, the old-style Toyota trucks, the pup. the pup, the Isuzu Pup, the uh Chevy Love, which was an Isuzu Pup. Um, but all of those little trucks and actually kind of bare bones, basic, you know, n- nothing really fancy inside of it. Um, and I think that there are customers out there who want something like that. Now, now, granted, if you look in other parts of the world where they have all these little trucks, it's because they have little roads. Right. Uh, but like you pointed out, the roads of Boston are pretty little too. So, yes. yeah, to, to have the ability to be able to go to... The home improvement store, the hardware store, the lumber store, whatever the case is, and be able to get something and put it in the back of a truck. Now, a lot of people use SUVs for that, me included. Um, But you hate to beat up the inside of your car with two by fours or something, and be nice to be able to even with the little short five foot or six foot bed, still enough where you can carry a few things and carry them safely and have fun. So that's,
3: I think that's where the car manufacturers are going wrong. Is well, Boston is a big. A big city. It's not a big, big city, but it's a big city. Yeah, it's, it's a, a world renowned city. Yeah. city. But it has the small roads. New York has big roads because of how they rebuilt New York. Chicago has big roads. Anyway, any of those yeah. cities out west. Yeah. But um you get into like San Francisco, which is another major metropolis. They don't have big roads nope. out there. No. Nope. Um there's a lot of a lot of older cities, Philly, D yeah. C no,
1: no, I I I thought back when what was a good example? Kia. When Kia had the Sorento, the first Sorento that came out in 03, it was a body-on-frame car. So it actually had a frame under it. It wasn't unibody like most vehicles. And I remember looking at that going, you know, this is kind of a decent-sized vehicle, not too big, not too small. A cab and some fenders on this. You already got the frame. You can put a bed on the back of it. Now, all of a sudden, you have a neat little, useful utility-type pickup truck. Same same kind of thing. And one of these days I have to get um Dave Smith who owns Factory 5, the people that make the Cobra kits down in Wareham. His brother makes kits to turn Volkswagen Jettas into little sport utility ve- into little uh, pickup truck type vehicles, also uh, Dodge Chargers, so a little bit bigger, and his latest one is you take the last generation Volkswagen Beetle, so the more rounded one, and cut the back off at the rear doors and the fenders off and you put a little utility body on the back. I just think those that idea of a little utility utility vehicle. I, I don't know. I think I think there's a market in there somewhere for those for those vehicles. So I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. 617-770-3030 is our number 617 770-3030 30, 30 is how you get through and talk to us about your car and your car problems, whatever's on your mind. We will uh, try to help you with uh, an answer to something, maybe. So we'll try, we'll try to, we'll try to come up with that. Um, Volvo's got a pretty interesting system. Uh, Volvo's putting cameras in their cars that they'll be uh, pointed at the driver to detect eye movement and where the driver might be looking in the car. Volvo said the cameras and sensors detect inattention and intoxication. The car may alert the driver to slow down. From there, if the driver doesn't respond, a Volvo representative will call into the car to check on the driver. I don't know if I want that. Hello, Dennis? It's Volvo. Have you had too much to drink? You know, I, I don't know. It just yeah, seems It just seems uh... weird. I don't know. Uh, but Volvo is saying that, you know, they they say that they'll have no Uh, fatalities in their 2020 model year in newer cars, and also... um, That's a bold statement. It is. It is. Uh, In fact... It says, it. I was going by memory, but it says it here. More than a decade ago, Volvo announced its plans to reduce or eliminate deadly crashes in its cars by 2020. Called Vision 220, the automaker has introduced driver assistance features, including automatic emergency braking, lane control, speed limit recognition. In fact, early this month, Volvo said it would limit top speed in 2021 and in newer cars to 112 miles an hour. People don't really need to go more than 112 miles an hour. I don't think. Uh, our phone number again, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Even though it sounded like I hesitated, I actually really did know the number. But let's talk to Rick in Boston. Rick? Yep, that's me. That's you. You haven't changed.
4: No, it's been harder to get hold of you guys since I retired, which surprises me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I've heard that from retired people. They say that, uh, their, their their time is, uh... You know they use more of it. My wife, who's retired, yeah. well, we won't talk about that. She's in the studio. I don't feel. I feel bad talking about her in front of her.
4: Yeah. Well, you, you got to uh, work on uh, keeping both sides happy. Well,
1: you know, the, it, and somebody reminded me that I told them many, many years ago uh, the expression "Happy wife, happy life." So, yep. No. What
4: can well, I do I for you today? Question. Go ahead. I got a question. I don't think I've ever asked you guys.
3: All
1: right.
4: Okay, uh, what does AAA recommend as far as, you know, in the Boston area as far as uh, having for uh, your insurance on your car?
1: How much insurance?
4: Yeah. That's much, like for 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 medical, for collision, you know, what whether uninsured driver is a good thing, you know, um you know, different uh, like a you know, I said it was stuff like glass or whatever here
1: here's here's the here's the funny answer and this is a horrible answer um uh, apparently according to the insurance board or whoever it is that that handles insurance insurance companies can't recommend anything more than the than the than the minimums and I have no idea what why but that's but that's what you know that you know if you went to and and now, granted, you build a relationship with your insurance agent, and if you say to them, "Hey, look, I, you know, I, I, I live in Boston. I'm concerned about, you know, am I going to get sued or whatever the case is? How much insurance do I need?" Um, they're they're gonna they're gonna give you an answer. Um, but in most cases, in in all cases, what they're really supposed to do is say, "Well, we really can't recommend, and we really can't give you that." Bit of advice. All we can tell you is you need to have at least the minimum coverage uh, set forth by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. In reality, you know, I think the Commonwealth says you need like twenty and fifty thousand. Most people probably need a hundred and two hundred thousand, maybe even two hundred and fifty and five hundred thousand. Uh, what I do know about insurance is I didn't have enough of it. And going from I don't know fifty and a hundred thousand dollars worth of coverage to or $500,000 worth of coverage was under $50 more a year. So when you start to look at insurance coverages, uh, and I always, I always kind of go, do do I really need to pay insurance on something? Do I really need to pay for something that I don't think I'm ever going to use? Yeah. When it comes to insurance, um, every time you turn around now, when there's a minor car crash, somebody wants to sue you. And, uh, uh, yeah i i work with a woman who uh, who her daughter got a little a minor minor fender bender and the people that got that she hit um said no no we're fine we're fine an older couple we're fine we're fine and the woman i work with was was you know felt so bad that she sent this older couple um what do you call those fruit bouquet things yep. yeah yeah what do you call it? Edible, yeah. edible arrangement, and yeah. uh, and then about a week later, she they get a note in the mail. They're being sued, and uh. the, <laughs> and she's like, "Well, the people said they were fine, and she felt she felt bad, and there wasn't really any damage to speak of, and she you know liked these older people so much that she sent them an edible arrangement. The next thing you know, they're getting a, a letter from a lawyer that you're being sued. And she's hoping she has, you know, enough insurance that, you know, that it'll cover the lawsuit. So one thing I will always recommend to people is always take the glass coverage because um, glass coverage is pretty inexpensive. And if you drive anywhere, chances are any sometime in your life you're going to break a windshield. And windshields are getting really, really expensive, especially if you have any kind of uh, driver assistance systems, even things like automatic uh, windshield wipers. um, in a lot of cases, when you replace the windshield in your car and it has some of these systems that work through the windshield, you need to put the factory glass in or it's not going to work correctly. So um, so having glass coverage, I think, is a really important thing. But that's a good well, point. That's a good point. Maybe, maybe I should get one of our insurance professionals on the show to talk about just this. Yeah,
4: well, I can understand why, you know, um you know, the uh, insurance companies might say, oh, we, we we can't recommend, but you should have at least a minimum yeah. because um, it, it could be viewed as uh, self-promotion.
1: Right, right. When I talked to our, you know, I, I when I was looking at insurance options, I talked to our senior vice president of insurance, and I said to him, what do you have? And he said, well, I have I have." The maximum amount I can get, and then I put a million-dollar umbrella policy on top of all of that, just in case. And that okay. all—that all sounds good. Till I was driving by a billboard in Rhode Island the other day, and and it's one of those somebody and something attorneys, and it says, "We collected three point two million for whatever this young woman's name was, Brenda." Yeah. Yeah, and there's a picture of Brenda and the and the attorney and it's like we collected I think it's 3.2. I thought it was like over 3 million dollars. And I'm like I'm like, yeah, a million a million sounds like plenty of coverage until this person collected 3.2. And you know, I'm looking and I said this young woman on the billboard looks to be in pretty good shape to me. So, you know, it's, you know, so I I don't I don't know you know they've since taken that billboard down they put another one up there's a guy up there who they collected three hundred fifty thousand for, and around the corner from that billboard there's another one that they collected two hundred eighty five thousand for so those kind of settlements are out there, um, so you just have to you know you have to have some reasonable level of insurance and in twenty and fifty thousand even though it's a minimum I don't think is anywhere near close and I think probably most people should have at least. Probably a hundred and two hundred thousand,
4: something like that. Well, uh, as you say, you're know, getting, you know, like uh, the guy you talk with, uh, your vice president, who probably makes a little bit better salary than either you or I did. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, and, uh, you, me,
1: you, me, Dennis, all of us combined together. So, yeah.
4: <laughs> and that, but but you know, as far as coming on and just talking about yep. that, uh, might might make for a very informative. But yeah, I think, show.
1: I think that's a good idea. Well, we'll work on that, Rick.
4: Okay. Have a good one, John. All right, you too, yeah. Rick.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. 617 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Tom in Weymouth. Hey, Tom.
5: Hello. Hey, John. Good, good morning. Okay, John, if the weather ever gets any better, I want to do an antifreeze. I'm going to not say it's a flush, but... Can I do it by just draining? Is it all right to yeah, you know, drain the uh, radiator yeah, the lower hose?
1: Yeah, drain and refill is fine. Um, the oh, the um, lower
5: hose. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, the, that to me is always the best way because you can... Pull the lower hose off. Be careful because you don't want to yank too hard on the radiator. But pull the, You can. Right. You can. You can. You can just drain through the petcock. But I. I always like the idea of pulling the lower hose off, and then you can run some fresh water through it, just in case the radiator is a little bit dirty and crusty inside there. You get more out of it that way. And then. Uh, and then once you. Uh, once you're convinced all of the fresh water looks. You know, the water looks clean coming out of it. And, and, again, just, you know, garden hose in the top and watch what comes out of the bottom. When it looks clean, stop, let it drain out, and then uh, fill it back up with the, you know, 50-50 mixture of uh, antifreeze and water, and you should be in good shape.
5: Okay, the question is, this is a Honda. It's okay. 2013, so it's mm-hmm. like going on a fifth year of use. Yep. Do you think I should go with the Honda? It's more money, or I've... Seen some other ones out there, but it doesn't totally say Honda, but they're blue and they're kind of recommended. Have you any insight <laughs> yeah. in that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I always, you know, it's it's funny. I when I way back when when I worked in a garage, and uh, granted that was a long time ago, there was two mm-hmm. kinds. There was two kinds of antifreeze. There was there was uh, green antifreeze and red antifreeze, and the green antifreeze went in everything, and the red antifreeze went in Toyotas. And come to find out, there there was a little bit of a difference, but not a ton of difference between the two kinds of antifreeze. One had silicates in it, and one didn't. And, and, uh, and then what happened was, every manufacturer kind of came out with their own, and you can... You know, there is a difference. And here's what here's what Honda actually says. Uh, Honda Long Life Antifreeze Coolant Type 2. The coolant is pre-mixed with 50% antifreeze, 50% distilled water, which is nice because if you're actually using distilled water. And then it says if Honda antifreeze coolant is not available, you may use another major non-brand silicon coolant as a temporary replacement. Make sure the high quality coolant is recommended for aluminum engines. Continued use of any non-Honda coolant can result in corrosion, causing the cooling system malfunction and fail. Have the cooling system flushed and refilled with your Honda, as soon as Honda antifreeze is available. So mm. Honda's saying, eh, you can you know if you blow a hose and you're in, you know you're in Iowa and there's no Honda antifreeze nearby, you know use mm. Prestone. Right. But when you're done, drain it out and put." Other stuff back in.
5: So mm, yeah.
1: I would, based I on that and doing it every five or six years, I'd probably use the Hyundai Antifreeze.
5: There's one, though, that I found that this, like Napa's and more mm-hmm. places that service garages, carry. Yep. It's called a Penta, Penta Frost. Yep. Blue. And two different, uh, you know, uh, parts places recommended. It. You know, these are private ones. Yep. You know, they call it pentafrost Blue, or whatever. But yeah, okay. I mean, you know, it's thirty bucks a gallon, I guess, for a Honda versus yeah, but, twenty. I guess it's, yeah, I don't want to fool around. Yeah,
1: but um, <laughs> yeah. You know, even even at thirty even at thirty dollars a gallon versus twenty, you know, hmm. for ten bucks again over, you know, over five years, uh, no. yeah. Is it really?
5: Right. No. Yeah absolutely not yeah that's where i was was just curious yeah and and it was something yeah and i'm
1: and i'm pretty i'm pretty frugal but you know you average that out over two bucks a year you know even yeah even even at cumberland farms the
5: coffee's you know a dollar so um, yeah that's why i went by i'm doing the same way i'm kind of leaning the same way yeah just got another question on my brakes it was the grinding it's twenty eight thousand miles on this guy had it since brand new and I pulled the fronts off, and geez, it wasn't grinding there. Grinding in the rear, which is kind of strange. Mm -hmm. The original, you know, one was was grinding there. I did do the fronts over, and I think I I noticed one of the glides slides was was Mm -hmm. sticking, so I think maybe that threw off the front, and that pad was totally Mm -hmm. gone, you know, just before the wear and so forth. But So I wound up doing a whole, taking everything apart. Mm -hmm. But one thing I noticed on all of these brake pads, they're basically... When you went to take them out, typically they, they come out. These were frozen. Every, every wheel was, like, frozen. I'd take a hammer and pry them out, you know? So I'm thinking mm-hmm. how can these things actually even be working correctly, you know? Yeah. I've never seen such a thing on a car. And this is supposed to be a Honda and, you know. Yeah,
1: I don't know how much it has to do with being a Honda. Or, well, first off, the rear, the rear brakes on Hondas wear prematurely. Especially okay. your, especially your vintage 2012, 13, 11. Uh, they've oh, yeah. had they've had some issues where the rear brakes wear twice as fast as the front brakes, oh, and okay. Honda Honda has no real answer for it other than we've come up with a new pad design. It's supposed to last a little bit longer. Um, I don't know how much it. I don't know how much it really did, but that that is fairly mm-hmm. common with the Accord, and uh, and okay. not so much the Civic, but more the Accord, and um, so. Yeah, yeah, um, but I have never seen so much corrosion on cars than I have in mm-hmm. the last five or ten years. It's just—I yeah. swear—it's the stuff that we put. Now we do it for safety reasons, you know. We put all this, you know, salt mm-hmm. and brine and all this stuff on the roads, and you know, we had a metalurgist on this program years back. And he claimed that the biggest problem with deteriorating roads and bridges has to do with the stuff that we put on the roads because it just it just eats at all the metal products. And, Mm. uh, you know, and that's but I have never seen so many caliper slides stick than I have in the past few years. I remember taking okay. apart brake systems that hadn't been apart in years, and they still. Well, that's
5: what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah I've taken many apart, and everything fell yeah, out. Every, Indeed, everything I fell could out. Could not. Yep. Could not nope. get out. I had a little nope. sledgehammer and a bar, yep. and I said nothing. Nope. But what I was going to say, so because of that, even when I put them back in, new stuff, cleaned up the, you know, the part that holds it and ground it and even filed it, just still tight. Should I use? I was thinking of using almost like an anti seize on the. On the ends of the the tabs of the brake pad where it goes into the these have like little uh, stainless steel slide new ones you yeah, put in and so forth. Ahead. Next time, that? Okay.
1: next time you're at Napa or one of those stores, and I think I hmm. think AAA members this week this month get money oh, yeah, off, twenty yeah, percent yeah, off at Napa. Um, the, uh, the they actually have a brake lube. They actually have a lubricant that's really that's designed for brake systems.
5: Is is it the slide? I have a special stuff. It's called for slides. It's a yeah. you know it's a high yeah. temperature but, is that it. But you yeah.
1: But you yeah. You can and you can use that on the uh, on the tabs of the brakes okay. where they s- sit in there. I yeah uh, yeah. And it, and it also depends on where when the where the pad sits in the either in the caliper or the pad mount. You know it has rust started to build up in there? Like you said, you took a file and tried to knock it off. I know the last time mm-hmm. I did brakes on my car. Um, I d- did the same thing, and the brakes weren't that old. And I had to beat the pads out of the out of the mm. caliper bracket to get them off. And then I kind of ground off as much rust that was built up. I ended up uh, to get the pads to sit better. I actually ground down the pads just a little bit um, on a grinder just so they could get them to fit a little bit better because they were still they were still, in my estimation, too tight.
5: Yeah, I, I feel the same way. That's what I was thinking of grinding it. So that's good. You did it. I think I may do. I think I'm going to pull them apart. I am just not happy with them. They just all feel too tight. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So that's probably the yep, issue or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. warms up. I'll get back. All right. <laughs> John. All right. Thank you.
1: Right. Take care. Bye-bye. 770 770 3030 Let's talk to Frank in Medford. Hey, Frank. Hey, Frank. Hey. Well, Morning, John, Paul. How are you?
2: Good. Uh, I had a question. about it. I got a 2008 uh, Ford F-150, yep. four by two, and uh, <clears throat> the reservoir on the power steering seemed to go down the other day. And I looked on the ground, and I see some fluid. So I'm thinking it's the uh, rack.
1: Ooh, okay.
4: And uh, do they rebuild those, or do they? No, you can't. You, d- you,
1: just, you just buy. You just buy a remanufactured one. Yeah. Yeah, you can get yeah you can get remanufactured um, rack and pinion units from all kinds of places now. Um, every I I think you would be hard pressed to find a new one actually. So yeah, but I would I would look you know I would you know it could certainly it could be the rack. There's no reason to think it you know might not be the rack. But I would look more at you know the uh, the high pressure hose that runs off the pump down to the rack because. Um, you know that's that is the you know that typically is going to be something that's that's um, going to be more more of a problem. I mean the good thing is if you did need to replace the rack on that, it's actually pretty easy to get to. You know, a couple hours labor and you got a new rack in it. Um, oh, it's great. Yeah, so it's not like it's not like you have to pull you know pull the frame out or you know jack the engine way up or do all kinds of crazy stuff to it. It's actually not too bad but i would you know the first thing i would be looking at is the um hose you know that most ford pickup trucks have a power steering cooler uh but i would follow the lines right from the you know from the reservoir to the pump especially you know if if anything's going to leak it's going to be the high pressure hose um there's a there's a high pressure and the return is is um lower pressure and there's also even a um a power steering pressure switch in there, so I would want to get it, you know, you know, either up on some stands or ramps or on a lift, and look and see where it looks like something's, you know, where something's coming from. But if, like I said, if it is the, uh, if it is the pressure hose, uh, not that they give those away either, but um, but it's. Uh, it's pr- it's certainly cheaper than putting a rack in it. And but yeah, I would look I would look real careful just to see what it is clean everything all up there the best you can and then look for a leak that way. Yeah, it's got kind of like 40,000
2: miles on it. So, I mean the mileage is good, but Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I yeah. know that my neighbor, he had a uh, he's got a Ford there. Uh, I forget what model it is now. It's one of those uh, it looks like an ESC, not an Escort, but something bigger than that. Yeah. Hatchback, and mm-hmm. he had like three racks done on the foolish thing. And he, I don't know what the problem was, why they kept leaking. But
1: yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he could have. He, I suppose he could have just got, you know, bad, bad racks from somewhere. But um, but you know, if you went to you know if you went to Ford, maybe you could get a new one. But uh, but you know, a new a new rack is going to be probably six seven hundred dollars for the part. Um right. and you know, you could buy um you know something like a1 or something you know one of those you know companies that all they do is rebuild this stuff and you know certainly it would be it would be somewhat cheaper and it's kind of funny i was um you look at availability of parts sometimes and i was talking to um Junior Damato on the on the ride home last night. He called me on the ride home. We haven't we haven't spoken a little bit. And of course, he runs his shop over in you know Hyde Park in in, in Middleborough. And he was saying there was some part that he needed to get. And uh, he said he tried everywhere to get it, just couldn't get it from anybody. And he said his parts guy actually had a um, had has an account with um, Rock Auto. And he said, I can't get it anywhere, but I can order it from Rock Auto for you. I can have it. It'll be there tomorrow. So, you know, so, but yeah, you know, if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to go out and, you know, you bought a remanufactured one, you know, um, you know, just looking online real quick, um, you know, Cardone has a remanufactured rack. Um, now this is, of course, this wouldn't be the price that you would pay from, uh, you Know if you had somebody put it in for you, but you know, the parts $145 maybe a complete assembly, um, a little bit more than that, you know, with uh, with new outer tie rod ends. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're you're even the Motocraft one, so uh, fact, you know, factory style Motocraft, uh, 328, that's about half the price that the dealer would get for it. So you know, if it is a rack, you know the good. Like I said, the good news is a couple hours labor, so a couple hundred bucks to put it in plus an alignment. Um, you know, yeah, you would could, they
4: warranty them for any? Uh, you know, uh, does it escape anything? Yeah, about I mean,
1: I well, mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I, for instance, if you went to uh, an approved auto repair shop, um, like right. you know, you you minimum you're getting a two year warranty from AAA. So, okay, yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah. Know
0: that.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah oh. so you know, like I said, you know, Motorcraft probably the best because it is, you know, it is Motorcraft, it is a Ford manufactured part. Um right. they claim that they do, you know, they 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 Magnaflux them and look for cracks and leaks and all kinds of stuff to make sure that uh everything's everything's perfect and just go from there. Right. Okay?
2: No, Cuz nobody nobody does uh Remanufacture manufacture the pod you have,
1: right? In other words, uh, uh, there is—I mean, there are companies that will do them. I think there is actually somebody over in—I don't know if it's over in like Dorchester or Hyde Park or something—but I know there's a company out in New Jersey that does that. But then you're out of, you are of other—you know—you're with the—you're without the truck for you know a week to ten days till they till they do it and you know ship it back and forth. The idea of pulling it apart, replacing the seals in it, and putting it back together—I. I would rather put. I would rather take a chance on someone else doing it, remanufacturing it, and swapping them out.
2: Yeah. So the Ford Motorcraft would be the
4: best. That would be
1: the best one, but uh, like I said, it's all based on, you know, I, you know, A1, which is a fairly inexpensive remanufacturer. I, you know, I put I put some of their stuff in. I've seen a lot of their stuff put in, and it all, you know, they seem to work okay too. And where are they located? I I, I have no idea. Uh, oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah just, most most uh, parts stores bike. carry Yeah, most parts stores carry that brand. But before you do anything, get it up on a lift and find out where it's really leaking from.
2: Right.
1: Okay? Okay, All right, take all care. For- yep, bye-bye. 617-770-3030-617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. When we come back, we're going to talk about the truck that got me around last week, which was the Dodge Durango. Also, I can tell you about my Fios Verizon experience, which Is a little bit like diagnosing a car. When we come back, we'll talk about that. Of course, we want to talk to you. Phone number 617 770
0: 3030. We'll be right back.
1: And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston, 100.3 FM or other places still. And, of course, you can find past programs on my podcast site, which is different than my old podcast site, sort of. It's johnfpaul.podbean. I don't make up the name of those sites. The other one was Podomatic. That didn't make any sense either. That makes more sense than Pod Bean. I don't know. <laughs> Podbean's, Podbean's cheaper, and it offers unlimited storage. Uh, and also, you can find it on podcasts, p o d c a s t um, s, which makes more sense. Which makes, but, uh, but, sense. I don't, <laughs> but I don't. But I don't have a custom. You got to go to podcasts and search for it. And you'll find it uh, in other places. Before I tell my FIO story, let's talk to David Needham. David, good morning.
6: Good morning. Yeah, uh, you had it so quiet there. It I know. I've been dis- disconnected. I know. Yeah, we, we haven't.
1: We haven't uh, the, the engineers haven't figured out how to, figure, how to get the, uh, the on hole part working. <laughs> it has nothing to do you with me. More yeah. chemi- you
6: need some more chemists, too, with all your discussions this morning. Yeah, the antifreeze. The yes. thing that corrodes it is the uh, water. If right. It's not pure. You've got to use the. Never mind distilled. You've yes. got to use deionized water. It's cheap. A gallon yep. of stuff, cup, you know, when you're spending the other money on the ethylene yep. glycol portion.
1: Yeah, no, and Amazing. that's and that's where I mean I was never, you know, back in the back in the prehistoric days uh, when, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I just took water out of the tap, and yep. uh, and but engines were a lot more resilient. They didn't have the same I mean, and you were flushing out radiators every two years. Now, right, uh, and the right. idea of buying a fifty-fifty mix of antifreeze and water to me sounded sounded like a total waste of money because you are paying for water, but on the other hand, if you're buying uh, distilled, ionized, deionized water, and it's mixed with the antifreeze, and you know it's, everything's perfect, and you're only doing it every five or six or longer years,
6: right. it's worth the money. That's exactly the yeah. point. You know what I'm saying? People are so impractical on some of these items. What was the fellow with the brake pads there? They you don't—they're know, not clear sometimes. He doesn't grind the actual pad itself. He's grinding the uh, well, the some, backing plate.
1: Backing plate sometimes, but there are there are times that you get so much.
6: So much of the padding material, the, yeah, you just, you just yeah, you
1: just, you just touch, you know, and and we're not talking about taking eighths of an inch. We're talking about taking <laughs> no, millimeters. No, a old. minor amount. Yeah, yeah no, just no. so, just so it fits, just so it's, so it actually slides. Because I have yeah. seen, you know, short of replacing the caliper mount, um, which uh, because it's, I've, I've been there, I've, I've been there with a, with a an air chisel trying to vibrate the rust off of it and you get it pretty smooth and then you try to file it with a file and you try to get it pretty smooth and now all of a sudden you have nice clean metal that's going to want to rust even better and uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah and but sometimes just um just touching up the pad just and again not you know if you have to grind an eighth of an inch off the pad it's just something going on but if you're yeah, just right touching exactly. up a little bit yeah. because you don't yeah. want them too loose because if they're loose they're going to squeak so but you yeah. want them to you know you want to you you want a little bit of drag but not enough where where you have to tap the pads in with a hammer
6: yeah I think that more people have the problem with squeaking when they go to visit the oh sure oh yeah the yep. things that they get all screens yep. on that and that's what that's what the little stainless steel insert oh yeah that's that's the, yep. the yep. anti vibration yep. routine you know yep. but on that point there you also uh mentioned something about ten speed what the hell was that in the oh, truck? Ten, oh
1: ten, ten speed automatic transmission in some of the
6: new trucks and it really is a geared I mean that's it really is. I it really is I wouldn't drive a constant velocity if you paid me to take it down of uh, these cars, these other ones, you know. Yep. But it actually had, yeah. I mean, what was, you know, the old um, Hydromatic 1940 Oldsmobile, that was the one that started it. When they were competing with each other, we used to have the old uh, the Buicks, uh, Dyna slush, we'd call them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, <laughs> it was all, funny. It was,
1: it was funny, I think. Was it the first DynaGlide was actually really a one-speed transmission, but because it was a big V8, you only really needed one-speed. But
6: it was That's sort right. of, yeah. Eventually, that was, yeah. yeah. But but I mean, they were. <laughs> we used to call them. They were like slush. Oh yeah. I had a, four, yeah. I had a forty-eight Roadmaster Buick convertible, and that fifty-three. That was a special car. That, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah. that that was.
1: Yeah. Um, but the uh, the first transmission I ever rebuilt was a two-speed Chevrolet Powerglide, and I was like, yep. what? You know, and and it was it was a mystery. You know, automatic transmissions were a mystery, and then I. Uh, Actually, took it apart and went. This is actually pretty simple inside.
6: And then it is very yeah. simple, yeah. relatively. You know, yeah. once you know the idea yeah. of things. Yeah. And you, I also uh, noted you mentioned something on uh, it works through the windshield. You were talking about replacement of windshields yep. and what they yep. have added yep. to things today is that your wiper what, is, what do you it mean? is
1: in it, it, well it can be all kinds of things it' be cameras but but these cars with automatic wipers that come on when it rains they actually oh, have a geez. sensor they have a sensor so it usually it's right behind the rearview mirror and it's mounted in the glass so when the glass starts to get cloudy you know with yeah. moisture and dampness it turns the wipers on and oh, if geez. the and if the <laughs> if the windshield has any kind of imperfections in it it's not going to see what it needs to see and you need to you know, uh, it's it's not just as easy as uh, you know pulling something off. And it's funny when those systems first came out. I was talking to a guy, and he's like, "I wonder how they really work. Maybe it's you know, if you tap on the glass, maybe that's it here's the rain. But no, it's actually optics. No. And, and when the optics and when the optics can't see, it turns the windshield wipers on.
6: So yeah. the more, the yeah, more. Yeah, the, I mean, honest to goodness, today people can't. Uh, sit down on the toilet without having some assistance you know come on it really is unbelievable frankly well
1: uh, well you it's,
6: do it's well you know, you know, I, it's, I it's, it's funny and, like the,
1: the winter wiper one I mean I you know I, I drive pretty basic cars and they have regular wipers um, the sure. one thing the one thing I will say that um, I I am I do get spoiled with is push button start though. The idea of being able to leave your keys in your pocket, walk up to the car, hit the start button, uh, right. and not have to fish around for your keys, is actually kind is actually kind of nice. I you know, and neither one of our cars have that, but you know, most of, uh, some of the test cars I do have that, and it's like sure. it's kind of a it's kind of a nice feature. And I was talking to a, a woman the other day, and she said it's the best thing ever because I know that you know I can keep my keys in my pocketbook. I walk up to the car, the door unlocks, I get in, I don't have to fumble around because it never fails. My keys fall. All to the bottom of my pocketbook i can't find them and, and it's a, a feature a feature <laughs> right. i've grown to like
6: yeah no i agree uh, my wife's got that in hers too yep. but some of these other you know some of the old cars even, well I, I laugh when i hear people talking about their uh mileage they get i mean uh, the best car i've ever owned and i've owned a lot of different cars believe me the town cars and full-size yep. cars over the years. Is this, if I could get another one, I'm going to ask some of those guys to check and find cars all over the country or whatever, because I'd like to get another one. I've owned eight of them, which is the uh, 92 to 96, made in Georgia. The only made place, uh, Toyota's. Henry oh, yeah. Wa- yeah. wagon, best car. Yeah. Oh yeah, I get consistently to. The, they're 25 years old now, John. Yep. And I'm getting on highways. I fill it when I get on I 90. Fill it when I get off in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. On I uh, 71, whatever is out there, and uh, I get always between 32 and 33 miles to the gallon. Yeah. Full size wagon. I mean, I got as much yep. as a truck often has in the back of that thing. It's just the best little car I've ever had. Yeah. You know? No, that's and,
1: that's there. There are some. There are some of those you can find. You know, you you look around. And there's, you know, as as much as everybody wants to beat up on some of the on some of the uh, uh, late '80s, early '90s uh, Buicks. You know, the 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 front-wheel drive V6-powered Buick LeSabre yeah. got 35 miles of the gallon out on the highway.
6: Yeah, you yeah. know that's yeah. on. You yeah, know, I'm yeah. just saying it's yeah. around town. I'm 26 miles. Yeah. The hell, else yeah. I want to do. You know, yeah. no, nope. nope. And dude. have that yeah. resistance on that anyway. Nope. Well, no, you're absolutely oh, right. One other thing: the sure. aluminum and sti- What was the aluminum with the steel? Aluminum fenders on something south on the body? new
1: on the new Ranger. That's aluminum fenders, Ranger. aluminum hood, and I think yeah. it was I think it was aluminum tailgate. Uh, <laughs> where like the Ford pickup has an aluminum bed. Uh, and yeah. it's all it's all about weight savings and strength and it's not aluminum aluminum it's a it's an alloy um, uh-huh. yeah and it's a, it's a pretty rugged, it's pretty rugged stuff on the other hand they came out with a product that requires a whole different level of how to repair it so
6: yeah, you know, not only that i mean you got a corrosion factor anytime you start putting those together i mean nash Healy's. <laughs> they were built and uh, the, the body was put on in italy and i don't know, I don't know how many of those yeah. i had.
1: Yeah, but no, there. Uh, yeah.
6: Aluminum body. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. When you put when you put aluminum, you know, when you put steel and aluminum together, it's not. They don't match. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get electrolysis or.
6: That's right. Something. That's right. Yep. People don't even understand half the stuff that they're talking about today. You know. <laughs> uh, right. Anyway, I won't keep you all, all right. day, and uh, all right. enjoy your weekend. I right. hope all we get some right. decent weather here.
1: Yeah, I'm sure yep. we will. All right, take care, yep. Dave. Yep. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye bye. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. So last week, and this is sort of car-related in a diagnostic sort of way, last week or so...
3: Well, someone had to drive to your house.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> last week or so, I was watching TV, and I noticed that the picture wasn't quite right. And a couple of times now, my TV connection there was a problem so I called up Fios and it was probably 8 30 at night called up Fios wait on a hold hold for just a couple minutes they said it'd be two to four to six minutes probably less than four minutes somebody answered the phone they said what's the problem and I said well I'm having this little problem with my cable box and it seems to also lose the connection to my tv once in a while and so they do some tests they say and they said, uh, yeah, your desktop, your set-top box looks like it's failed a couple of times. And it's probably five years old, so you need a new one. And they said, also, your router is pretty out of date. And I said, well, probably. And they said, uh, we have a, a Series 3 router, which is not the newest, but it's on sale because they must be getting rid of them. And it's normally 100 bucks. And I wanted to buy it. I didn't want to lease it um, because I'm weird that way. And um, they said it's $59.95. I said, okay, send me a new box, send me a new router, and everything will be good. Interestingly, the next day, the new set-top box is sitting on my front stairs. Overnight shipped it. And uh, it's like, you know, have something to eat, unplug it all. And it's in kind of a, I live in a really small house. My TV's on a stand with a cabinet underneath it. It's in. It's a little awkward to get to. Hook it all up, turn it on, nothing. Nothing at all. I love when that happens. And uh, so I call up. So this is second phone call. Call up, get some guy on the phone. And he says to me, uh, I said, I think it's defective because I've already taken it out and putting the old one back in and it works fine. Well, it's fine as it can it works fine until it doesn't. No, no. No, let me let me look at it. So he does some things including having me run down to my basement, reset my router. Back upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, and he goes, "No, no. No, it's and after an hour, I would say, he got it to work. Did something yeah, and I said, well, don't they test these before? Well, you know, sometimes we have to reinitiate them when we put them in. I'm like, okay, okay fine. Two days go by, and I'm watching TV again, and, I, and Joanne says, well, you want to watch something on demand? There's not much on. Hit the on-demand button. No data connection. Hmm. So I go, like, turn the router on and off. Turned it back on. And then it went from no data connection to no guide, no information about the channel. But I still had channels. So I called Verizon again. I got a very nice woman. Not here. And she said, Mr. John, I'm going to make your day great. And I said, okay, great. Good to hear. An hour later, she went back and forth, back and forth. Reset the router. Of course, when you do that, all kinds of stuff changes. And uh, But in that conversation, she said to me, you know, you really need a new router. I said, by now I have the new one, by the way, and it's all hooked up. I said, it's only two days old. <laughs> what do you mean I need a new one? Well, you have the Series 3. There's a new one. I said, I just got this one. I haven't even paid for it yet. I just got it. And she said, "Oh, oh, okay. And she apologized. So um, we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And finally she does something. Hour and 30 minutes later. On-demand works. I'm like, okay. And I said, what would you do? And she said, well, I think it was you did that long, you know, disconnect the cable, disconnect the power, long restart, a whole bunch of stuff, and it came back to life. Two phone calls ago. I said, I think I got a bad box. Second phone call, can you just send me a new box? Third phone call, can you just send me, no, 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 the box is fine. We just sent it to you. It's fine. Two days later, go to Watch On Demand, no data. Almost two hours on the phone, another nice lady who was going to make my day great. Which is what she said, we're going to make your day great, Mr. John. So, very polite, very nice. Had me running up and down the cellar stairs, resetting the router.
3: I think you need to move your router.
1: It's convenient. I like where it is. It's stuff. It's not convenient. Them. Yeah, it's, it's convenient for what I want stuff hooked up to. And so, she finally says to me, I think we need to send a tech. Yay! <laughs> and... So she said, we have appointments for, you know, 8 to 9 tomorrow, 2 to 3, 5 to 7, something like that. So I said, how about 8 to 9? So um, everything's good. Nothing works. Tech shows up. Does some stuff. Goes to where the box is with the, the fiber connection comes in and changes the thing inside the box didn't work. Does some other stuff. Looks at the cable wires. Goes, where'd that wire come from? And I said, it was, I've been telling my wife that I wasn't home. I said, it was new, a new wire, you know, just in case there was any problems. Did some other stuff. Did some more stuff. Did some more stuff. At 1 o'clock in the afternoon, he went back to the garage to get a new set-top box. Puts it in, turns it on, boom. Everything's perfect. (laughs) So sometimes, whether it's diagnosing that or diagnosing a car problem, you sort of have to look at the basics and what happened last. So, okay, let's use a reasonable sense of common logic to, okay, it worked pretty good. 99% of the time it worked fine. Then I got a new box, and it didn't work. Maybe it's the new box. But no, no, they said no, it couldn't be. Back and forth, back and forth. Could it be the new box? No, can't be that. No, you need a new router. Said, the router's brand new, or newish, or whatever they are. So it's like, come on, people, listen a little bit. So then I called, um, I called Fios and I said, you know what? I have about 10 hours invested in this. And, I, come on. And I said, I, and, the, and the, guy, the guy on the phone said to me, so what do you want? And I said, basically all I want to do is complain.
3: A credit of some kind. Yeah.
1: And he said to me, well, you know, your contract's expired. He said, how about if we take $25 off your monthly bill? You just have to commit for another two years and i was like yeah, good enough no i didn't and again i wasn't really looking to get anything you know if he said to me uh you know we feel bad we'll give you free hbo i didn't really care i just wanted to say you know somewhere someone needs to listen your customer service people on the phone need to listen and the tech who came out uh, was very polite. He felt horrible. In fact, he even said to my wife, if you have something to do, he said, I got to go get the box. He said, you know, if you want, you know, if you need to go do something for an hour or two, I'll just come back whenever it's convenient for you. And my wife's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm fine. But again, sometimes, you know, as you look at car problems and problems in general, sometimes you just have to look at it and go, you know, it all started here. So let's look at that.
3: Just saying. And and you're you're I mean you do phone support. I've done phone support. I've done cable support. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Um, there are times. I never. I don't. There are times when customers just don't want to do basic stuff, yeah. which. I understand. They're paying for a service. They expect it right. to work. If it's broken, they want someone who works for the company to come out and get. When you're going up and down stairs and stuff and you're doing, and it takes more than one hour and more than one call, get a tech out there. Yeah. Plain and simple.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, Sully always tells a story about his uh, admin at school mm-hmm. says said to him once when his printer didn't work, she was like, is it plugged in? And he goes, yeah, of course it's plugged in. And he looks over and he goes, it's not plugged in. not plugged in. So, eh, you know, those things happen. Anyway, so that's my story. Uh, When we come back, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the 2019 Dodge Durango SRT 392. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. Our phone lines are open at 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. We'll be right back.
5: My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. The story of the hot rod race with the Fords and the Lincolns was setting the pace. That story is true. I'm here to say but I was driving that Model A.
0: It's
5: got a Lincoln motor and it's really souped up. That Model A body makes it look like a pup. It's got eight cylinders and uses them all. Got overdrive. Just won't stall. With a and welcome off, back we'll to the Car Doctor program.
3: So, our brake pads with 82,
1: extra 82, material built into the pads that help prevent rust worth the extra money? I don't know. That's my answer. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, it seems today that they have so many. It, at one time, there was sort of economy brake pads and better brake pads, and now there's all these different levels, and there's different. You can get different materials. Um, it var- it varies a little bit from, you know, I. When it comes to brakes, I tend to buy the best, um, and. Now, this is coming from somebody who's cheap, but I tend to say, but I I tend to look at that like, I only want to do these once every few years, four or five. So I'll buy the better ones that aren't supposed to squeak, aren't supposed to, you know, have anything. Yeah, I will. So I'll buy the better ones if I can and just hope I get a better product because of it. I want to talk about the car that got me around last week, the uh, 2019 Dodge Durango SRT 392. The Dodge Narango is a three-row SUV that comes in five trim levels, rear or all-wheel drive, and can be powered by a V6 engine or a choice of two V8 engines. Our road test was in the high-performance SRT version with 475 horsepower, 6.2-liter Hemi V8. The cabin of Durango was nicely finished and comfortable in supportive seats, which were both heated and cooled. In addition, our tester also had a heated steering wheel. The heated seats and steering wheel, combined with the remote starting, was a welcome package on cold mornings. The controls are simple to use with a combination of large touchscreen and rotary knobs. Although, typically, I'm not a fan of touchscreens, this was one of the better designs and offers a minimum amount of distraction. The middle row in our test model used uh, comfortable bucket-style seats. Third-row bench was actually reasonably comfortable and more spacious than other three-row SUVs in its class. Entry and exit is easy through the wide-opening front and rear doors. Visibility is pretty good throughout with the limited number of blind spots. The third-row head restraints do block some rearward visibility, but can be lowered remotely when not in use. There were large cup holders, bins, storage pockets, as well as a decent-sized glove compartment. The cargo area is decent-sized with uh, all three rows of seats in use and expands to almost 85 cubic feet with the second and third row seats folded flat. Even the front passenger seat can fold flat to further optimize cargo carrying ability. Overall, the Durango has full-size features and capabilities packed into a mid-size model. The ride was a bit firm in our performance-oriented vehicle, but never harsh. The overall handling... Was quite impressive for an SUV. Some vehicles drive smaller than their size; others bigger. The Durango feels a little bigger, especially when parking it. The performance from the 475 horsepower V8 engine was outstanding. Fuel economy, on the other hand, uh, averaged only about 15 miles per gallon. Had little to do with me. Had just that was, I I could make it go lower if I wanted. Um, The exhaust had a muscular rumble, differentiating the Durango from other other SUVs. Uh, Steering was uh, light at low speeds, firmed up nicely at high speeds. It had a nice, like, uh, kind of beefy feel in steering wheel, too. You felt like you were almost kind of in a sports car. Um, The uh, (coughs) remote start and... um, You all right? Yeah. A little tickle in my throat. Um, See, it's sitting over here. I can't hit the cough button because I don't have one. There is no cough button. Um, but anyway, the uh, uh, I felt a little bad for my neighbors because I leave for work around 6.30 in the morning. So one morning it was a little chilly. So I, to use a remote car start, you have to hit the door lock button. Beep, beep. Then you hit the start button. Beep. And then it starts. And it rumbles. And it's a little loud. So felt a little bad. So anyway, um but I also felt nice getting in a warm car with the heated seats on and all. So I only felt bad till I got in it, and then I didn't feel bad anymore. Um, so uh, plenty of plenty of uh, safety features in the car, you know, such as uh, automatic emergency braking and lane departure warning and lane departure correction and all that sort of stuff. The Durango with its high performance V eight may not be for everyone. But if you're looking for one of the quickest three-row SUVs, this Durango is it. If functionality is more important than performance, um, you know, Dodge has an engine that satisfies just about every driver. If you're looking for a thoughtfully designed three-row SUV, the Durango should be at the top of your list. Uh, again, this one's a little bit odd because it's the SRT8 version, so the hot rod version. Four hundred and seventy-five horsepower. Does anyone really need four hundred and seventy-five horsepower in a three-row SUV?
3: Is that the vehicle that you had here last week? Yeah, that looked like with a, the hood stripes on. Yeah, it looked like yeah. a Cobra. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: kind of. <laughs> uh, fuel economy: thirteen city, nineteen highway. Best base price of the SRT. They don't give these away. Sixty-three thousand is where it starts. Now, the basic Durango, you can buy a Durango for you know in the low thirties. And for most people, the V6 engine in the Durango would be fine, but if you're somebody who, um, I guess, uh, I guess it comes down to wants versus needs. If there wasn't, if there wasn't wants in life, people would not have fancy watches and fancy cars and fancy jackets and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, would a would a uh, you know down jacket keep you as warm in the bad weather as a mink? Coat probably keep you warmer, right? Would a Timex keep as good a time as a Rolex? Probably better. Um But people people like you know people who can afford things. I heard something on the news the other day about uh, that f- guy who does financial advice
3: on sell Can't. sell sell buy buy buys. No, oh, not no, that guy. The other guy? No,
1: Dave, Ramsey, okay. Dave Ramsey, and he was talking about a friend of his who's a billionaire just went out and spent half a million dollars on a car. And he's like, you know, ratio to cost, he's a billionaire, half a million dollars, not that much money. Dave Ramsey said, I'm worth a couple hundred million, but I still wouldn't go out and spend, the percentage just doesn't work, you know, a thousand million versus a couple hundred million, Seems like a couple hundred million would still be enough to go out and buy a half a million dollar car, but, um, but you know the percentage of what people buy. And does somebody who makes fifty thousand dollars a year should they go out and buy a fifty thousand dollar car? Probably not.
3: Did they stop making the Durango for a, f- a few years there and bring it back? Because I know that um, when the Durango came out in the late nineties, was it? Yeah, there was there was issues I, with it where like fluids and stuff uh, were leaking Kresma all over the place.
1: Chrysler made yeah. a lot of bad choices Uh, but in 2011 the Durango came back so that was you know in that in 2011 it it became better but even even back way back when when Dodge had the little before they called all their pickups Rams they had the Dodge Dakota pickup it was kind of a nice little size pickup truck the thing was awful the differential fell out of them the transmissions weren't good and there was a lot when in oh 70809. 09, uh, Mercedes owned Chrysler for a while, and they put a lot of their technology into the cars. Uh, in fact, the Chrysler 300 is still based on the Mercedes E-Class, uh, which made it a good solid car. Um, as they went away from their ownership of Daimler, Mercedes, um, they had some, they had some challenges there for a while. And then now, where they're where they're owned by FCA, the Fiat Chrysler America, whatever it is, um, they have looked into developing some better products. And and the, the Durango that I drove, uh, I've driven them with a lot of miles and a little bit of miles, and this one seems pretty good. Now, I will say, I parked this one next to a seven or eight year old one, and. That one was all rotted out, which kind of – but then again, the whole car – the the exhaust, I think, was rotted out. The whole car
3: looked a little rusty. So um, so see, my thing is, like, I love the way that a lot of Chrysler products and Dodge products look, and I have a lot of friends of mine who are into Mopar and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem that I, that I always see with those cars is that after, like, six or seven years, you start getting a lot of rust and things falling out and – I mean, yeah, you're getting six or seven years out of the car, but I can get 10 years out of a Toyota without even blinking. (sighs) Well, in some Toyotas. Not every Toyota. But um, it's interesting
1: that um, the one time I was at a small Chrysler factory, it was where they actually built the Dodge Viper. And... The Viper's sort of a handmade vehicle, but that's where their engineering was. And there was a little engineering room, and there was a sign hanging up that said something like, um, fast, cheap, or good. Pick two out of three. And I think there was a time there where Chrysler built them fast and cheap and not good. And that was one of the things that hurt them. Here's some bad news. There is a company in here in Massachusetts called LeBaron Bonnie. Le- LeBaron Bonnie makes interior products for classic cars, seats, and stuff like that. In fact, the Hearts Corporation sells a lot of their material to LeBaron Bonnie because they use the same materials to make stuff. And um, after uh, closing its doors late last week, LeBaron Bonnie Company, a longtime supplier of reproduction interior and upholstery kits for Ford and GM collector cars, has filed for bankruptcy. According to Josh Burnett uh, of Kidduff & Associates, a law firm representing the company, on Tuesday, LeBaron Bonnie filed for cha- Chapter 7 bankruptcy, which means the company's assets will be assigned to a trustee and the assets will be sold to satisfy any outstanding debts. Uh, Burnett did not elaborate on what led up to the company's bankruptcy. Calls to the company went straight to voicemail and were not answered. And this was from Hemings Motor News. When uh, brothers Lee and Jack Atherton founded LeBaron bon- Bonnie in 1938, the furniture company Scions did... So to provide rental bicycles to tourists uh, from their summer home on Cape Cod, they later tried a number of direct mail businesses, um, and uh, they also sold historic maps, replica sailing vessels, handmade goods before they settled on old car upholstery in 1959. Talk about a variety of things from uh, bicycles to uh, replica sailboats. According to a company lore, Lee Atherton had bought a Ford Model A to restore with his son Barry, but found nobody willing to reupholster in the interior or restore the convertible top. The trimmers at the family's furniture business took a look, decided they could duplicate the interior and the top, and their business went on to win praise with old car shows. Atherton decided this was the business opportunity he'd been looking for and started packaging interior restoration products that he could sell worldwide using mail order businesses. Um, the model that he and his brother had tried decades earlier. By the mid-1960s, the business was booming thanks to ads placed in Hemmings Motor News. Atherin moved the company from Haverhill into a 14,000-square-foot building in Amesbury. They later expanded to a 29,000-square-foot building, uh, formerly occupied by Biddle and Smart in Amesbury, a carriage-building concern that dates back to the 1860s. So, kind of sad they uh, they um. That company, the one that went back, uh, Biddle and Smart's business, switched to supplying coach-built bodies to automobile manufacturers in the early 1900s. According to Michael Lamb, writing uh, in Special Interest Autos, the company reached its zenith in the 20s and then... Became the de facto coach builder for Hudson for many decades, and the company expanded with its purchase of Hampton Coach, ABC Auto Interiors, Easy Boy Auto Interiors, all intended to expand the company's reach. Um, according to the ba- bankruptcy filing, Labarmoni had assets of about half a half a million to a million against liabilities in the same range. Burnett said the bankruptcy process can take a few months and significantly longer. Be nice if somebody actually bought the. I hate to see those kind of old timey companies. Uh, Disappear like that because they're the companies that provide those kinds of interiors a little bit few and far between. If you're on social media this Tuesday at ten o'clock, go to the AAA Facebook page, and uh, we'll be doing a Facebook Live, kind of a car care thing. So if you're if you're out there, if you're supposed to be working, you know, take some time off. At ten o'clock, go to AAA face, go to the AAA Northeast Facebook page. Look like you're working, pretend, and uh, and then uh, and and check it out. And you can even you can even ask uh, questions uh, online, or you can actually send questions. Well, you can always send them to me at my email j paul at aaa northeast com or aaacom com slash car doctor. You can find me there. Here's something that bothers me. There's always people sometimes hate bright headlights. I understand it. Yep. And brighter headlights were designed for everyone in this room, including you, Mr. Young Man. I'm not that young. <laughs> uh, your, your vision peaks when you're in your late teens. And not by the, by, the, <laughs> by the time you're 40 years old, you need twice as much light to see as you did when you were 20 years old. By the time you're 60 years old, you need three times as much light to see. If you live to be 80, you'll need four times as much light to see. So car manufacturers have put brighter headlights in. And brighter headlights, when they're designed properly, help people with aging eyes see better. The problem is there are headlight manufacturers that don't do a good job. And they put headlights out that are brighter. They don't, they're not aimed as well. And I got an email from... Light dot Wonton, light dot CN.
3: Dot one ton, okay. Wonton. So. Canada. No, China. CN. China. Oh, China, China. China. Yeah, Wonton, yeah. yeah. China. Yeah.
1: yeah. In Shenzhou, China. Okay. And it says, dear manager, how are you? Do you remember our halogen size 9S LED headlight? Nope. I don't, actually. Uh, in order to meet the requirement of more customers, we launched a more brighter, more competitive F12 LED headlight based on the 9S. The F12 features the same size as the original halogen bulb, fits all brands, automotive grade flip LED, 70 watts, um, ultra-thin, 12-month warranty. Looking forward to your inquiry. So here's a company in China that will make all the super bright headlight bulbs you want, and they're brighter than they're supposed to be. So that's what gives headlights sometimes a bad reputation because people are like, well, those new headlights, they're so bright, but you see them in cars that they never came with because they do these conversions and the conversions, the conversions are not, the conversions are not great, which causes part of the problem. So just something, you know, embrace the headlights, I guess, is probably a good thing to think of. Hey, look, it's Paul Sullivan just sitting over there. We talked about you earlier, by the way.
7: Uh, what a coincidence! I just got an email from wonton.soup.com. Um, they asked me if I wanted lunch. Uh,
1: and did you say yes? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Could you order a hot and sour while you're there too?
7: <laughs> Hi.
1: Hi. What up? I actually had a hot and sour cabbage soup. Yeah, it's great. From not a Chinese restaurant. Really? I, th- I think they had. I think the restaurant had leftover corned beef and cabbage, and they didn't know what to do with it, so they. Uh, so Wait they, a minute. What's Dennis trying to tell me? I don't know. I, think I got it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There you go. So I think they had leftover corned beef and cabbage. They yeah. didn't know what to do with it, so they made cabbage. Was it good? It, it was really, good. It was really yeah. good. good. Although the person next to me who was sitting at the bar next to me, when I ordered it, got up and left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
7: I guess they do over-order around St. Patrick's Day because yeah. Claire and I went to a restaurant the other day, and they had, uh, what they have, um, corned beef uh, egg rolls.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I, I don't believe in waste, so it's all good. No, it is all good. Yeah. It is, Uh, Uh, yes.
7: Incidentally, uh, in in your uh, uh, story about the BIOS uh, incident, uh, Claire and I were listening on the way in, and and immediately I said, unless he calls a tech, this is going to go way (laughs) (laughs) back. And I was right.
1: I wanted, Get that tech
7: out there. I, I, I don't I, know what I'm doing. It took
1: them three tries. I know. Yeah, but I. But like Dennis said, sometimes you have to do the simple things first. Right. Exactly. And I Hensure, heard your, your Hensure, little
7: allusion to my uh, printer. Printer. Uh, was yeah.
1: I. Was I close?
7: My wife cracked up laughing. She <laughs> goes, who, "Who was that?" And I told her who it was. She goes, "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's something you do." <laughs> of course, it's plugged in. Uh, all right, I'll get back to you. No, it's it's working good.
1: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but that's you know, and and that's fine. The simplest you know, that's, things first, yeah, guys. Yeah, that's that's it. You yeah. check the basics, but but listen to your customer. Right. That's
3: all I'm saying. And be logical. Yeah. yeah, yeah, be logical. If you're on the phone for more than twenty minutes, uh, I, I'll even say fifteen minutes. It's time to get a tech out there. Is that what it's? Okay. Yeah. And it's nice
7: to be on your show, Mr.
3: John.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to make your, uh, because of the Irish Hit Parade coming up next, we're going to make all the listeners' days great, too.
7: Yes, we are. All right. Well, I'm going to try. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anything special today?
7: No, it's a comforting show because uh, the hecticity of uh, St. Patrick's Day has now passed.
1: Is that a word? Hexticy? No, I just made that up. Yeah, okay. I just want to, I'm not that smart. So, you know, you're no, you're I, the one with the PhD. I just. <laughs> I, just, I love, just, love doing that yeah. and
7: why, and have people look at me and say, is it a really word or is, you know, is he that smart? I'm not that smart, yeah. guys. No, I made that up. I think. As a word a day
1: calendar. It could that, be a word. word. I don't know. Word a day calendar made me really smart. Exactly. Just for that day, though. I can't remember anything. So, <laughs> so uh, the very best in Irish music yeah, I have a up memory next. book. I forgot what I did. Yeah, before. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm a bum. But I'm Tip your waiters and waitresses. Try the veal. Uh, Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive safely. Be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.